Time now for Financial Friday on WOMI with your host, Drew Watson, sponsored by Align Wealth Management. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and this is the December 3rd edition of Financial Fridays for the first December of 2021. And boy, have we had kind of a crazy week on Wall Street since we spoke to you last. Last Friday, the market was down about 9.50. We've had some huge triple-digit moves pretty much every day since then as the market is trying to wrestle with a couple of big ideas. Uh, the first is the old man Omicron variant, and the second is the old man Jerome Powell. When will they end the taper and start raising interest rates on the U.S. market. Now, on Thursday, the market closed up about 617 points on the Dow. Uh, NASDAQ was up about 127 points, and the S&P bounced healthily off the 4,500 level and was up 64 points for the day. Across other interests that we follow here is our commodity du jour lumber uh, was up $45, 5% to $914. We had West Texas Intermediate crude up a dollar sixty-five to sixty-seven dollars and change, and that precious yellow metal gold down thirteen dollars and seventy-two cents to close at seventeen sixty-eight ninety-four per the ounce. Uh, around the world, global indexes uh, had a mixed bag, where the uh, Hang Seng in, in China was up about a, and Hong Kong was up about one hundred thirty points. The Kospi in South Korea was up yesterday, but other than that. It was a Western Hemisphere day to uh, remember to the upside, whereas Europe stayed negative most of the time. We will also take a look into several different things today, especially given the fact that the CDC confirmed the first case of Omicron COVID-19 variant in the U.S. on Wednesday, and that contributing that contributed to stocks giving back a substantial gains that we had seen earlier on Wednesday. And value stocks have seen more challenging time compared to growth over the recent weeks, specifically as investors attempt to discount the pace of reopening momentum. Earlier this year, cyclical value stocks rose on rapidly improving reopening momentum, but midweek and due to Omicron fears, value has been coming under severe pressure lately. Value is trailing growth by 5.3%. Over the last 30 days, which has widened the gap between the two asset categories over the last year. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell's testimony to Congress this week highlighting it may be appropriate to speed the pace of reducing the Fed's asset purchases while hinting that inflation pressure may be more persistent also hasn't helped stock sentiment. Both Omicron and Powell's testimony, as I stated, have added to the stew of market volatility this week. And the bottom line is stocks are looking where to head next. As we said on Thursday, the S&P bounced upward off a critical 4,500-level support. And the question is, will the Fed and the Omicron COVID variant continue to elevate market volatility through year-end? 
the short and unsatisfying answer is it's possible based on how events unfold over the, over the coming days and weeks. The December Federal Reserve policy update on December 15th could create more volatility based on policy language in the statement. Fed Chair Powell's remarks in the follow-up press conference and the market's interpretation of forward policy. Anything that looks more hawkish, that is, a faster-than-planned taper or the possibility of rate liftoff sooner than expected, could send stocks lower over the near term. In terms of the new COVID-19 variant, Omicron remains a concern. From a market and economic perspective, stocks are likely to react to implications for current vaccines and transmissibility. If investors believe the new variant could slow reopening trends, we believe that we could be in for a pain point for stocks at current levels. With that said, a little tighter policy that dampens inflation expectations likely elongates the recovery. Notably, more sensitivity to inflation pressure from the Fed could actually be a healthy, healthier setup for stocks long term. Also, Omicron is very unlikely to cause widespread shutdowns or materially slow growth in Ameriprise's view. On the margin, the new variant could slow more people returning to the workforce, which may contribute to dampening activity or mobility over the near term. But as of now, investors shouldn't prepare for a wholesale change in reopening sentiment or a more disruptive sell-off across equities because of the variant. And you could also chalk up to excuses, 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 and it's also important to note that stocks have come a long way this year. While the Fed and Omicron are real concerns, they also offer a convenient excuse for traders to lighten up and take gains as the year winds down. Over recent days, we've noted that volatility could remain elevated over the coming weeks. But as of right now, I believe a much darker picture on inflation and COVID could, would need to emerge to significantly take stocks lower. So you can ask yourself this. How much emergency monetary accommodation from the Fed is still needed today when the S&P 500 index is up 20% in 2021 and over 100% still from the pandemic bottom last March? And S&P earnings per share are expected to be up roughly 46% year over year in 2021, while U.S. GDP growth has dramatically outpaced the longer-term average and the U.S. economy has already recovered roughly 80% of the jobs lost last March and April and posted an unemployment print of 4.6% in October. You're listening to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and we will be back in 60 seconds. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer. Our pursuits become careers. And if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask, what's most important to you? Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson. And in our second segment today, we're going to talk about Omicron, Omicron, Omicron. And when we're done, you're going to wish you never 
heard the <laughs> term Omicron with what we discussed. Uh, specifically speaking, what you've seen over the last week may be a little bit of a panic, or it may be the leading uh, shot in a what many concern or may claim to be a uh, opening front with a new variant for COVID. Now, keep in mind, and let's set the table for this segment with some uh, you know factual based thinking. Traditionally, uh, each iteration of a coronavirus, such as you know what COVID is. Every time it kind of mutates, typically what happens, and it's not uncommon, is it becomes more transmissible, which means it's easier to catch, but a little less virulent, meaning that maybe that the outcomes are not as bad. Also keep in mind that uh, earlier in the year and late last year, we did have some of these scares about breakaway variations of the COVID virus coming from Southern Africa and Brazil. Now, some of this may be uh, because those are both areas where the vaccination rates are exceedingly low and in some cases even under 10%, meaning that people who may have been infected even with the original COVID-19 virus would have required medical stays um, just because they had no immune, immunity to it and because they've not been vaccinated. Uh, as a listener to this show, you know we've kind of pounded the table and beat the drum on the fact that vaccines do not prevent you from getting the disease, but the whole, um, I guess, premise behind the vaccines is that if you do get it, that you're not affected in such a severe fashion as to require medical treatment and multiply that by 300 million plus people and therefore bring the healthcare system uh, of a country or a region to a grinding halt because of mass hospitalizations, kind of what happened in New York when it first hit and Italy when it first hit. So with that as our guiding principles, let's take a look at what we know about Omicron, which isn't much. And I would quote the words of, uh, you know, the president that this is cause for concern and not a panic. So earlier this week, global risk assets, uh, Recovered on Monday from some of Friday's losses, and the S&P 500 and Eurostoxx 50 rebounded 1.3 and 0.5% respectively, and the U.S. Treasury ended up a few basis points higher. Then we took a nosedive Tuesday and Wednesday and back up Thursday. So with this market action this week and whether these quote-unquote risk-on moves continue going forward ultimately depends on if the health situation is at risk of deteriorating due to the emergence of the Omicron variant. A relatively benign outcome whereby the Omicron variant has a similar impact as the Delta one would ultimately have a fleeting impact on financial markets, according to BCA. However, if the latest variant poses a more severe risk via its transmittability, virulence, and the ability to evade vaccine protection, then a more cautious stance is warranted towards risk assets. In this scenario, a threat to the healthcare system could prompt authorities to reintroduce restrictions, and that is although European protests demonstrate that the appetite for restrictions uh, is much lower than in the past, which raises the bar for another round of lockdowns. The financial market impact would be characterized by a period of weakness for risk assets. However, a significant deterioration in economic activity is also likely to be accompanied by more fiscal stimulus and less monetary tightening, which would smooth out the longer-term impact. 
At the current juncture, there is not yet enough information to conclude that the emergence of the Omicron variant justifies a change in the outlook for risk assets. Thus, I ultimately agree with President Biden's assessment of Omicron as a cause for concern but not panic. Investors should stay put until more information is known about the likely health impact of the latest COVID-19 variant. Another way to look at this, though, is Omicron could pose an upside risk to inflation. The emergence of the Omicron variant has prompted financial markets to dial back Fed rate hike expectations, and in a similar fashion, the tips break-even inflation rates fell on Friday. However, this, the bias from BCA is that the Omicron variant poses an upside risk to inflation and consequently could trigger a more hawkish monetary policy response from the Fed. Their base case for the next year is that inflationary pressures will peak for two reasons. First, Consumption will rotate from goods to services, thereby easing demand-side inflationary pressures as durable goods consumption normalizes. And second, supply-side challenges, including labor market tightness, will ease as the pandemic's impact on economic activity recedes. However, a virus-induced disruption could interrupt the economic normalization process. American consumers may once again favor goods amid heightened health concerns that weigh down on demand for services. Moreover, Global supply chain disruptions could reemerge if restrictions are tightened, especially amid China's zero COVID policy. To make matters worse, a prolonged period of elevated inflation raises the risk that long-term inflation expectations come unanchored and turn, and in turn trigger a wage price spiral. For now, policymakers are likely to favor a cautious approach to normalizing monetary policy in face of heightened uncertainty. Thus, the Fed officials will possibly delay an acceleration in the pace of asset purchase taper. However, the risk for next year is that the Omicron variant becomes a source of upside pressure on inflation and therefore prompts a more hawkish response from the Fed. So, in essence, what we're looking at with Omicron is it's better to be safe than sorry, but keep in mind that there are still a lot of unknowns with Omicron and thus far – what we've seen is more than likely that with this, in vaccinated experiences thus far, the people that have had had the virus, it has not been too terribly uh, impacting their health. But in the vast majority of the world that remains unvaccinated, it could become a bigger problem and thus possibly impact some of the supply chain scenarios that we've encountered to this point. Finally, if the China no COVID policy continues in effect, they could go in shutdown, which really what the market is worried about is any government imposing a lockdown again, thus slowing down the economic life of a country or a supply chain, which impacts multiple countries. You're listening to Financial Fridays brought to you by Lime Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and we will be back after a word from our sponsors. When today is unpredictable, You need sound advice and strong support to help you stay focused on your long-term financial goals for tomorrow. Ameriprise has been guiding clients through challenging times for over 125 years. You can take comfort in working with an advisor who's backed by that strong experience and who's there to guide you with personalized, goal-based financial advice. Together, you and your Ameriprise advisor can plan your future while navigating your now. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. 
270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and we are in our third segment. We're going to take a look at how some prognosticators anticipate this market unwinding. And this comes from our friends at BCA. And as we stated earlier in the show, investors and consumers alike expect that inflation will remain quite high over the next year. But they are unconcerned that upward price pressures will last. According to surveys and market prices, inflation will exceed 4% next year before subsiding over the longer term to the comfortable levels of the last two decades. The Fed also views elevated inflation as a near-term phenomenon and accordingly expects to hike the Fed funds rate at a deliberate pace. The Fed is on the same page as the hoi polloi and is not gearing up to remove accommodation with any particular haste. While the decade following the financial crisis demonstrated that extremely easy monetary policy does not by itself promote high inflation, the landscape has changed. A decade of zero interest rate policy and quantitative easing failed to produce any dire effects, but it remains to be seen how extreme monetary and physical accommodation will interact. BCA expects the bull market will end once the Fed falls behind the curve on inflation and is forced to tighten monetary policy aggressively to catch up. They think the bull has another year to run, but excess of stimulation will eventually bring about its demise. As an old mentor of mine used to say, you can kill a cat by choking it with butter uh, and, and heavy cream as opposed to just uh, choking it outright. For most of the year, every discussion with the BCA investor clients has eventually worked its way around to inflation and how high is it going to go? How long will it last and what will it mean to the economy? What will it mean for stocks and how will the Fed react? As the year-over-year change in the consumer price index has climbed steadily higher, breaking above 6% last month for the first time in 31 years, the tenor of the conversations have shifted. Investors have come to recognize that the economy is subject to upward price pressures that are more than a temporary byproduct of pandemic-based effects. Inflation is nonetheless still largely viewed as a temporary phenomenon that will fade once reopening supply bottlenecks can be resolved. While markets are resigned to another year of high inflation, they are secure in the notion that the disinflationary currents of the last several decades will squelch them over the longer term. The tension between the competing ideas that both inflationary and disinflationary currents are real sets up a potential market showdown. If it's only a matter of time before disinflationary forces return to smother today's post-COVID disruptions, the widely shared consensus view that the Fed funds rate will meander its way to a peak of 2% will be validated. The equity bull market will continue, albeit at a slower pace, until it dies of natural causes. Markets could be in for a rude awakening, however, if the forces supporting higher prices outlast the pandemic and overcome the long-running disinflationary trend. So what markets expect with regards to inflation, despite all the attention higher prices have drawn, investors haven't gotten too worked up over them. Although they've made considerable revisions to their near-term expectations, their expectations for inflation 10 years from now haven't budged since the start of the year. 
And as the Treasury and the CPI swap markets show, big consumer price increases are expected to be concentrated in the next year, come off the boil in year two, and then slowly cool the next few years. At the back half of the 10-year curve, year-over-year CPI increases are expected to settle into the same range that prevailed during the 90s and early 2000s inflation moderation. Financial markets do not exist in a vacuum, of course, and the expectation of participants in the real economy matters as well. The University of Michigan's Consumer Survey indicates that household expectations accord with financial markets. Inflation will be uncomfortably high over the next year, but an afterthought five years from now. Whether the phenomenon is called adaptive expectations or recency bias, everyone's, including investors, consumers, businesses, and economists, expectation of the futures are colored by recent past. It is not a stretch to envision consumer prices rising by more than 4% in 2022 after having watched them surge since March, but apparently economic participants will need to see them remain elevated for longer stretch before they can picture inflation enduring for two or three years, much less five to ten years. And what do markets expect with regards to Fed policy? If inflation isn't expected to persist at an elevated rate for an extended period, there's no reason to expect that the Fed will aggressively tighten monetary policy. Higher than expected inflation readings have led money markets to bring their first rate hike ETA lift-up date forward to next July and to price in two rate hikes in the second half of 2022. They continue to expect that the Fed will conclude its tightening cycle once the Fed funds rate is around 2%. They call this the terminal rate or the ending rate. They also expect the Fed will take its time getting to that terminal rate, hiking by no more than 75 basis points in a single year. That is 0.75%, roughly in line with the 100 basis point annual pace in 2017 and 18. The Fed concurs, at least by the latest summary of economic projections released after the September FMOC meeting, the 18 board members and regional presidents casting votes expect the FMOC to take its time hiking rates with exactly half the voters calling for no rate hikes next year. The median and mean expectations were for one-half and two-thirds of a 25 basis point rate hike in 2022, respectively. By the end of 2023, the median and mean votes expect the cumulative 3.5 3.5 to 3.125 basis point hikes, respectively. So that keeps it under 1%. And emboldened by the experience of the last expansion in which worrisome inflation did not materialize despite zero Fed funds rate and 50-year lows in unemployment, the Fed has embarked on a course quite different than the one of the late Paul Volcker might have charted, nagged by the post-crisis information. So... If you look at kind of what are issues that they'll be watching, it would be the change in signals that high employment and the absence of unwanted increases of inflation or emergence of other risks that could impede attainment of the committee's goals will not by itself be a cause for policy concern. And that's a direct quote from the Fed's meeting in September. Now, if there is a fly in the ointment, it might be that there is, as we say, Perhaps the balance sheet has grown so much and the regional Fed presidents and their board members um, 
may take a look at this. And the upshot from BCA's perspective is that the FMOC intends to be behind the inflation curve in the coming rate hiking cycle instead of in front of it. If inflation remains contained after lingering pandemic dislocations are resolved, the behind-the-curve takeaway will not be all that impactful for investors. After all, those who position for dollar debasement and runaway inflation when the Bernanke Fed introduced QE and ZERP were clobbered by investors who loaded up on risk assets and blithely rode easy money tailwinds higher. There is a critical difference this time, however. Beyond the increasing magnitude of the Fed's accumulated asset purchases, pandemic physical stimulus has dwarfed the comparatively meager fiscal response to the global financial crisis. And going forward, the Biden administration's spate of ambitious spending proposals contrasts sharply with the Obama administration's deficit reduction focus. The post-crisis era has served as a natural experiment on the effects of unprecedented monetary accommodation on recent economic activity and consumer price inflation. Asset prices surged, buoyed by negative real Fed funds rate and a ballooning Fed balance sheet, but the rate of growth in consumption was unchanged. Although household net worth gains led consumption growth, the vast majority of financial assets are held by households with low marginal propensity to consume. Asset price inflation doesn't necessarily lead to consumer price inflation because it doesn't necessarily have an observable impact on aggregate demand. That being stated another way, the really rich people that have all these assets in the stock market don't spend as much as a percentage of what they make or of their income or net worth as people in some of the lower income areas. You've been listening to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. We'll be back. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer. Our pursuits become careers. And if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask, what's most important to you? Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and this is our fourth segment where we answer your questions that you have regarding financial matters. As a reminder, please send us your questions directly via our email at william.a.watson at ampf.com. And let's take your questions today with regards to long-term care insurance. And as many of you that have long-term care insurance have realized over the past several years, long-term care insurance carriers have increased prices substantially after getting approval to do so by the state's department or commissioners of insurance with regards to those policies. So what exactly does long-term care insurance pay for? Well, traditionally it pays for a stay in a skilled nursing facility. Uh, after a certain number of days used as an elimination period. Uh, some policies come with inflation protection and others do not. And some policies also pay for care that would be received in the home 
or in an assisted living facility, and it is typically a percentage of the skilled benefits cares um, number or figure that you have. Uh, when long-term care insurance was first introduced uh, many decades ago, very few people purchased it, and prices were very reasonable. Terms were unbelievably good for the uh, consumers, even lifetime unlimited benefits, and the ability to get paid a certain dollar amount per month regardless of what your bills were. In that example, if your bill was $60 a day in a nursing home and your policy paid you $100 a day, you kept the $40. Now, fast forward about 35 years, and what we've seen is that the vast majority of long-term care insurance has remained in place, and those baby boomers who were the early adopters to purchase it have had many, many claims on these policies. The first wave of long-term care um I guess policyholders were actually the greatest generation, and those people uh, had the first claims, and some of them uh, stayed alive quite a long time in a nursing facility. Because keep in mind, you know, 35 years ago, few people knew what dementia or Alzheimer's was, where your mind deteriorated but your body stayed strong. And so, therefore, people, especially in the insurance business, of thinking whether or not uh, a 10-year or 12-year or 15-year stay in a nursing home was possible, uh, that was thought as the exception rather than a rule. But nowadays, that can be the rule. But fast forward to today, and many of these insurance companies have realized the errors of their ways, and they want to reprice policies to stay solvent. Most of the time, they're giving consumers the option to reduce benefits, have a longer elimination period, or cut down or eliminate their compound inflation. Depending on your specific situation, you should look at this through the lens of a comprehensive financial plan. But a few things to consider to answer this question would be, one, depending on how young you are, the compounding inflation rider might be the most valuable piece of the contract. Secondarily, you also want to look at what are the real costs in your neighborhood today versus what the policy would pay. It could be that if your policy is rich enough and is paying at the top end of what facilities cost in your area, you could stomach a small reduction in monthly benefit maximums to have a lower premium or a lower premium than what was expected. Keep in mind that with the dollars that most of these policies cost on a monthly basis and the cost that you would incur in a nursing home, even a stay as short as six months, you could reclaim all of the money you've paid in premiums for 10 years just with the benefits that would be paid over a six-month period. So this isn't a comprehensive answer to those questions, but it does highlight the key areas of the policy. One, what's your cost in the area that you live? Two, what is the inflation protection if you have it in your policy? And three, based on current prices and what your policy pays, how long would an adjustment in your premiums take you to make up if you were on claim? You're listening to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. We'll be back, same time, same station, next week. This is WOMI Owensboro. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.